a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Like you might come and watch a movie here any other day of the week. But actually, our style of worship is important to us. Our style is very participatory. We want contributions. We're looking for contributions during worship. And I don't just mean any contributions. <laughs> I'm thinking about contributions that are inspired by, given to us by, prompted by the Holy Spirit. And it's not just because I happen to think that's nice, or it's not just because we think that's a good idea, but actually the whole premise of our worship is based on our theological convictions. It's what we believe the Bible teaches. It's what we believe the Bible teaches. So the Bible does give us some instructions on on worship. So for example... You don't need to turn to these passages. I'll just read them to you real quick. In Ephesians uh, chapter 5, Paul writes to the, the church there in Ephesus. And, um, and he says this in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then another passage that may be familiar to you is 1 Corinthians 14, where, where Paul says, What shall we say then? Brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And he goes on to give some further instructions as to how that must happen. But notice he says, when you come together, everybody has something. Everybody has something to bring. And the Ephesians passage particularly is important because it tells us how that happens. Notice verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, i.e. better than that, instead be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about to do in our worship together. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and so on. But the foundation to that is be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so that's why in a moment I want to look at baptism in the Holy Spirit. You see, without understanding that, without being reminded of that, without us actually experiencing that, we're not going to get the type of worship we're looking for because that only happens as the Holy Spirit comes to us and gives us contributions to bring and prompts us and helps us with those things. So it's important that we understand these things. Uh, am I right? Those of you who went to North, the uh, New Frontiers camp last week, was baptism in the Holy Spirit talked about there? I think some of you said it was. So some of you will have heard a similar message to this already just recently. And uh, it's right we emphasise these things. Because we could think that, you know, we've got a band, we've got a screen the size of I don't know what, (laughs) that that makes us charismatic. It doesn't. It doesn't make us charismatic. What makes us charismatic is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Him working through our lives, in our meetings together, in our midst. That's what makes us charismatic. 
So it's right that we emphasize these things. So we're going to look this morning at baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that in just a moment. And then next week, I want us to look at a few characteristics of charismatic meetings. What they mean, what we should be looking for. What do we want our meetings together to be like? Before we do that, let me say one other thing. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just about having good meetings. It's really important we understand this. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just about having good meetings. I know you could think that with how I've introduced it. I'm aware of that. But actually, baptism in the Holy Spirit is about all of life. The Holy Spirit comes to you to bring you power to live as a Christian. The Holy Spirit comes to you, and it's not just for Sunday mornings. He comes to you, as we shall see in a moment, to empower you for Christian living all through the week. So we're talking about Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, and afternoon and evening, as well as times that we're gathered together as the church. So actually, baptism in the Holy Spirit is for all of life. It really is. It's about knowing the joy of God, knowing the power of God in your life. Having confidence to witness, about praying for the sick. I don't just mean in the meeting, I mean maybe somebody at your workplace tomorrow who you discover is ill. You might want to say, hey, well, can I pray for you? And having a confidence to do that and expecting that God will come and bring healing. You don't get that by just thinking it's a good idea. You get that by the Holy Spirit working through you, giving you confidence to say that and then to pray. And to see God heal. We want to see the kingdom of God come to a greater extent in our city, don't we? See the culture changed. See the city of Derby and the surrounding areas transformed by the love of God. It's only going to happen as we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. So I'm not going to take long over this this morning. I want real quickly to look at some background in the Old Testament and then the background in the New Testament and then apply it and then we're going to pray. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. I want to make sure we give give ourselves some time to pray. So why don't we pray together and then we'll open up uh, God's word. Father, we thank you, as we have done already for this new venue. Thank you that you've gathered us together in this place. And now, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us from your word. Lord, as we look in these few weeks at some of our values, things that you've spoken to us about, things that are important to us, I pray, Lord Jesus... Help us to understand what you say to us and to put it into action. I pray you come and speak to us now from your word. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you'll find that the Holy Spirit, third person of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was only given to certain people, on certain occasions, for certain tasks. Or you might say, for particular people, particular occasions, for a particular reason. Things were different there. So you've got, for example, people like uh, Samson, who the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit came upon and gave him great strength. We've got the Holy Spirit active, for example, in creation. But what you don't have is the Holy Spirit poured out, as it were, upon all believers. Things were different then. But the Old Testament prophets looked forward 
to a different time. God spoke to them about it being different. It wasn't always going to be like this. So, for example, you've got the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. says this, and uh, God's speaking through him. says, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is different now. This is not just a few select individuals for a particular time or occasion or event. No, no, this is different. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's what Joel was looking forward to. He knew things were going to be different. It was a different time ahead. And that's what he was looking forward to. So that's the Old Testament. But in the, by the time you get to the New Testament... Things are about to change. So right at the beginning of the New Testament, you get uh, John the Baptist, he who God sends to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And uh, John the Baptist, he, he starts off by saying, right at the beginning of Mark chapter 1, he says, I, I baptise you with water, but he, talking about Jesus, will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. So right there at the beginning of Mark's gospel, you get a promise of something to come. I baptise you with water, John says, but hey, when he comes, he's going to baptise you with the Holy Spirit. And so there was John in the River Jordan baptising people in a river there, dunking them in completely. And he's using the same word to say, hey, when Jesus comes, you're going to be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So there's a promise there straight away. But as well as John the Baptist talking about it, Jesus talked about it as well. If you've got your Bible, why don't you turn with me to to John chapter 7, please. John chapter 7. We're going to read a few verses together. John chapter 7. And uh, let's read from verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So again, Jesus is making a promise now about something that's going to happen in the future. And this is worth explaining some context to this. The feast that it talks about here is the Feast of Tabernacles. And what's happening here is the Jewish people have gathered together in Jerusalem and they're celebrating a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And one of the things that they're celebrating and remembering in their history, in their past, is an occasion where God intervened and God broke in for them. And there was one occasion when they were wandering through the desert in that sort of 40 years they were wandering through the desert after leaving Egypt. There was one occasion where they ran out of water completely, had nothing at all. And all the people go to Moses and say, Moses, who is leading them, what shall we do? We've run out of water. There's nothing to drink. Us and all our animals, what are we going to do? And Moses, the Bible tells us, strikes a rock with his staff And water gushes out of this rock and provides water for all the people and all their animals. 
Now, this was not a small sort of mineral water size amount, bottle size amount of water. This was a whole load of water. Historians reckon there would have been about 2 million people and all their animals. And there was enough water for all of them to drink. So it's quite a lot. Those of you who've got an engineering mind might like to work out how much water that would be. You can let me know. It'd be useful to know for next time I preach this. But it's going to be a lot, isn't it? A whole load of water God supernaturally provides for them. And so during this feast, they remember this occasion when God acted for them. And one of the ways they remember it is what happens is they fill up some huge stone, uh, sorry, huge clay jars, great big things. They fill them up with water and then they take them up the, the temple steps. They carry them up, these huge, great jars of water. And they stand at the top of the temple steps with all this water and tip the jars over and pour the water down the temple steps. And in doing so, they're remembering when God provided all this water for them. And so you've got all this water gushing down the temple steps, right in the middle of this feast, the last and greatest day of the feast, in fact, as the the Bible puts it. All the water rushing down. In that context, Jesus stands up, says in a loud voice, Hey, if anyone is thirsty because that's what they're remembering, a time when they were very thirsty. If anyone is thirsty, he's got their attention now. I am come to me and drink, is what Jesus says. And so Jesus speaks about living water that he is going to provide, that he is going to provide for his people. See, flowing water is often used in the Bible as a picture, a symbol, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going on here. Now, if you'd gone to Jesus on that occasion and said, Jesus, I like the sound of this. I I want some of this water you're talking about. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for that. Can you provide me with some water that you're talking about? What would Jesus have said? What would he have said? No, not yet would have been his answer. If you'd gone to him on that day and said, Jesus, I want some. He would have said, not yet. Not yet. He was still talking about a time that was to come. The Bible says it wasn't, it wasn't yet because he hadn't yet been glorified. So his disciples had to wait until after Jesus had died, ascended back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. They had to wait until that point. But Jesus is promising something here. Do you see that? John the Baptist is promising something. Jesus is promising something on top of all that the Old Testament looked forward to. In John chapter 16, verse 7, again, Jesus makes a promise. He says this. He says, unless I go away, the counsellor, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit to us. To send someone, not as an impersonal force, but send the person of the Holy Spirit to us. And he makes it clear that it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. He's still looking forward to something. And then if you jump into the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, we find Jesus with the disciples. In verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John, talking of John the Baptist, baptised with water. But in a few days, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So now, the Old Testament has looked forward to this. John the Baptist promised it. Jesus promised it earlier in his ministry. Now, he comes to his disciples and says, guys, in just a few days, this is not far off now. In a few days, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. It's nearly come. It's just about to happen. And he tells them to wait, doesn't he? Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. You've heard me speak about. Holy Spirit's coming. Jesus used the phrase, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at that word in the original Greek, it's a word that was used in actually everyday language to describe, uh, for example, a ship that had been sunk. If you had seen a ship sunk off the coast, you might say that that ship was baptised. And the context is covered in a whole load of water, as a ship would be if it was sunk. You might also use it if you had dyed a cloth. Maybe you, you know, you'd taken a T-shirt and wanted to, to change the colour of it. You, you'd put it in a whole bucket of dye, wouldn't you, and dunk it all the way in. You'd get totally immersed in the dye. It's the same word that's used. Jesus is saying you're going to be totally immersed, baptised in the Holy Spirit. And then, if you turn over the page, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. So this is the day of fulfilment that the Old Testament has looked forward to. John the Baptist promised, Jesus promised, told his disciples to wait for. Now it's happening. When the day of Pentecost came, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now it's happened. And now we're looking back on something. For a while, they were looking forward to something that was going to happen. Holy Spirit was poured out. Jesus sent him. Now we look back on that occasion, but not look back and say, oh, that was nice for them, but rather look back and say, that was when things changed. That was when things changed, so that now Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to you and to me. So what does he do? Well, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence to know him, to help you live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit helps you to relate to God and to live for him. He brings God's power to you to change. Have you ever thought as a Christian, okay, honesty time now, have you ever thought at all in your Christian life, man, it's actually quite hard being a Christian. Have you ever thought that? Is it just me? Uh, Some of you are honest. Thank you. That makes me feel a bit better. (laughs) You know, if you try and live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit empowering you and helping you, you're going to find it real hard. Really hard. Really tough going. Because it's not how you're meant to be. It's like trying to drive your car without any oil in. Now, it might start up. You might get a little way down the road. But eventually, it's just going to stop, isn't it? Because the the oil in your engine enables the engine to work properly. 
And without it there, it's just going to dry up and clunk and you'll end up you know, calling the breakdown service out. You see, without the Holy Spirit working in your life, it's going to be really tough to live as a Christian. And I can say that with such confidence because I did it for so long. I became a Christian at quite a young age, but I wasn't baptised in the Holy Spirit until my 20s. And for a long time, I, I tried hard to, to live life as a Christian, but it was tough. When I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, everything changed. Because suddenly, I had God's power in my life to help me. Suddenly, it's how the Christian life is meant to be. Suddenly, it's what God intended. Suddenly, it's like, oh, I've read the instructions. Now it makes sense. I'm putting this into practice because God has come. Everything changed. And I guess for many of you, you would speak of similar testimonies of everything changed when the Holy Spirit came to you. Holy Spirit brings gifts as well. We'll be talking more about spiritual gifts next week. So if you're a Christian here this morning, and there are many of you I know, many of you I don't know. So if you're a Christian here this morning, if you know and love Jesus, if you're following him, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, that doesn't matter, then this promise is for you. This promise is for you. It's not just for the person sitting next to you or just down the road. It's not just for your life group leader. It's not just for other people who might be on a stage. Listen, it is for you. In fact, can you turn to the person next to you and say, the promise is for you. Do now. The promise is for you. It is. You're not exempt, okay? Don't think, oh, it's everybody else apart from me. I used to think that. It's not true. It's for you. Every one of you. Promises for you. Not just for leaders or the experience. The promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Acts 2, 39. So in a while, we're going to pray for people. And if you're thinking, well, you know what? I might have been a Christian for a little while or a long while. I'm not sure if I am baptised with the Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to give some time to doing that before we finish. And I expect God to come because he's promised that he will. If you're not a Christian here this morning, again, that may, that may apply to, to some of you, then, then listen to what the Apostle Peter said just shortly after the Holy Spirit was poured out on that day of Pentecost. Peter stands up, preaches his first sermon, and uh, listen to what he says, Acts 2 Verse 38. Well, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice it's not this. It's not repent, be baptized, wait a while few years maybe, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not what he says. Repent, be baptised, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So maybe for some of you this morning, maybe you don't yet trust in Jesus. Maybe you haven't got a relationship with him yet. Maybe you haven't confessed your sin to him and trusted in him. Well, this morning you could do that. You could become a Christian and be baptised in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait ages. 
You really don't. You could go for the whole package in one go. It's a good way of doing it, in fact, because <laughs> that's what the Bible expects. That's, that's how it's meant to be. Although you look through the New Testament, you often find groups of believers who have become Christians but weren't baptised in the Spirit. That often seemed to happen. But because being filled with the Holy Spirit is what God intends, much better to do it early on in your Christian life and to receive what God intends for you. Sometimes people say they're not sure if they're baptised in the Spirit. Well, if you were a ship and you'd been sunk, I would suggest that you would know about it. If you were a t-shirt, imagine it for a moment, if you will. If you were a t-shirt and your owner had dunked you hard into a bucket of bright red dye, you would know about it. Now, you might say that's not a very good analogy. Maybe it isn't. But I want to suggest this. When you're baptised in the Spirit, you know about it. And as you look through the Bible, as you look particularly through the book of Acts, you'll find time and time again, as groups of believers are baptised in the Spirit, there is always evidence of that. Sometimes it's speaking in tongues. Sometimes it's prophesying. Sometimes it's other things. But there is always something. You always know. Often it's speaking in tongues. Not always, but often. But it may not be that. There may be other evidences. But there will be some evidence of the Holy Spirit coming to you. Think about it. You've just encountered God who made everything. There's going to be some interaction, isn't there? You're going to know about it. Now, it may not be that uh, you, you fall over. Sometimes people do. Sometimes they don't. But maybe you suddenly see, you feel that God giving you prophetic words. Or you've got a new release in worship. A new joy that God has given you. Something will happen. It's different for different people. But there will be some evidence. You will receive power. Think about it. Peter and the other disciples went from being a frightened group of people, locked away in an upper room, arrived that the Romans were going to be crucifying them next. And they burst upon the New Testament world. Preacher, uh, Peter preaching his first sermon to at least 3,000 people, probably a lot more. Something changed. What changed? Power came. Where did power come from? The Holy Spirit. So how do you receive? Well, you receive by coming to Jesus and asking him. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So my question to you is this, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? By the time I went forward at a meeting, a number of years ago now, but by the time I went forward to be prayed for, to be baptised in the Spirit, I was thirsty. I knew that some of my Christian friends had an experience of God that I did not have. And I wanted it. I wanted it real bad. If I'm honest, and I probably should be, I was slightly nervous. Because there was the unknown. There was the, what's it going to be like? How's it going to feel? What's going to happen to me? What if? What if? Well, lots of questions. But I was thirsty. And I trusted God. And I came to Jesus thirsty. Say, Lord, I want to receive this. Please, I want to come to you. You need to come with, to Jesus with faith, knowing that this is a promise that is for you. Please don't come to Jesus and think, well, if God wants to get me, I guess he can. Not sure I believe it, but he can have a go if he likes. <laughs> That's not faith, okay? That's not coming to Jesus with faith. 
Coming to Jesus with faith is saying, Lord, I believe your promises. I might not understand everything, but I trust you because you are a good God and you're faithful. So I'm coming to you thirsty to receive. That's coming in faith. So I want to encourage you, come in faith. The Bible talks about coming to Jesus and drinking. It's, it's like there's an action on your part. You, you, you come in faith. You come asking Jesus to pour the Holy Spirit out to you. Come and drink. Come and drink. Be expectant. You don't have to beg. You just have to ask. Be expectant. Often it seems that uh, God uses uh, one another to pray for each other for the Holy Spirit to come. It doesn't have to happen like that. It could happen with you locked away in your bedroom on your own. But often it seems to happen when we pray for one another. Sometimes lay hands on one another and invite the Holy Spirit to come. God just seems to do it like that often. We get involved in the action. It's good, isn't it? God uses us. And you'll know, as we've said, there will be some evidence of the Holy Spirit coming to you. So I want to ask you, as we wrap up, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? Can you confidently say, yes, I have? If, if you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure, then maybe this morning you can be sure. I'm going to invite you to come up in a moment. But let me ask you, are you thirsty? Are you expectant? I want to urge you, don't leave it as long as I did. I was, if I'm honest, I was stubborn. And thought, but I'm a Christian, you know, and lots of, lots of things I could think of. If I'm honest, it, my heart was just stubborn. And it took a while for me to realise that and then come to God. Don't be stubborn. Don't leave it as long as I did. Maybe this morning you can come to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to receive. And I believe God wants to come this morning. Can the band come up, please? But just before we sing, and we're going to in a moment, guys, as you're coming up, one more challenge before I close. And if you're a Christian, and if you've been baptised in the Holy Spirit, listen up, this one's for you. I want to ask you, are you living in the good of it? Are you living in the good of being baptised in the Holy Spirit? The ESV Study Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The the verse says, be filled with the Spirit. The Study Bible says this. The command in Greek is a present imperative and does not describe a one-time filling, but a regular pattern of life. So you might better translate that verse in Ephesians as, go on being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you've been baptised in the Spirit, is that your experience? Maybe you've been sitting there thinking, hey, it's great, this preaches for people who haven't been filled with the Spirit. I know I have. Great, I'm thrilled you have. My question to you is this, are you living in the good of it? Is it your daily experience? Is it your daily experience living in the good of, if you like, fellowshipping with, living with, interacting with the Holy Spirit? Because that's what it's meant to be like. It's not just that you would look back to a particular occasion in your life and say, that's when it happened for me. No, no. You should be looking back to maybe this morning and saying, I spent some time with God and prayed and the Holy Spirit came again. Are you living in the good of it?
Because the Christian life, as we've said, is meant to be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. So are you living in the good of what Jesus has promised? Is that your daily experience? John's words to us that he brought during worship about the joy of the Holy Spirit was so helpful. Thank you for bringing that. Is that your experience? Do you know the joy of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask you in a moment. We're going to, in a second, we're going to sing and we're going to worship God together. And uh, then I'm going to ask you, if you'd like to receive prayer this morning to either be baptised in the Holy Spirit for the first time or to receive the Holy Spirit afresh this morning, then as we worship, I'm going to ask you to come and stand along the front here. There's nothing magic, let me make it really clear. There's nothing special about coming to the front. It's not that there's extra anointing on this bit of carpet, but it's just helpful sometimes to say to Jesus, Lord, I want this. And as you take that walk from your seat to the front here, it's like you're putting into action what you're saying in your heart. And you're saying to God, yes, Lord, I want this. Please meet with me. So it's like a sign that you're giving to God. And I believe God will honour that. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask Matt and the guys to lead us. And uh, then if you'd like to respond, I would like to invite you to come and uh, we can pray for people for a little while. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the promise that you yourself made about sending the Holy Spirit. We thank you as we read through the Old Testament. We see that there was another time that was looked forward to. As we read of what John the Baptist said, he looked forward to a different time. Lord Jesus, even you spoke about a different time and then it was that you sent the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. And now, Lord, we can look back on that time and say, that's when things changed. Now we're living in a different age, a different era, a different season, because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And so we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, come again this morning. Lord Jesus, send the Holy Spirit once again to us in this place this morning. We say, Holy Spirit, come as we stand here in your presence, oh God, that you might come to us and empower us for all of life. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. 